Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast where we try to use a 3D printer to take over the galaxy, because this week we watch Moloch. And by Ben Steed. Directed by Veer Loimer. And aired on March 17th, 1980. Yeah, so Moloch. Still in the interseason era for Doctor Who? Yep. Can't forget to mention that. Nope. Even when there's no Doctor Who airing, <laughs> so mentioning it doesn't get us anything. Can't forget to mention everything else that was airing. Like we always do, or like I always do, because I was the one who promised to initially like look that stuff up, I think. Yes. I don't remember you if were. I actually promised to do it. Well, you said you would. <laughs> I don't know if you promised, but you said you would. <laughs> Vil Orma back again, directing. And Ben Steed back again writing. Now, yeah, when if you remember Ben's- Ben Steed wrote Harvest of Kairos, and I think we got notes from, uh, uh, from, notes from John, I think, saying that that is... Future stories are uh, as misogynistic as that yeah. one was. And I would say that's yes. not true. I would say this one is more misogynistic <laughs> than well, Harvest of Kairos. <laughs> well, okay, yes, but I think, you know, what no, he was saying was... I think what he was, meant was, was like, it, it'll be there again. Yeah, as yeah. misogynistic or more. Like, yeah. the, 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 the lower limit was Harvest of Kairos. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just making fun of, like, you know, how, how you phrase that. Well, so... Before we start, I heard the word Moloch, and I was like, man, where do I know that from? So I went and Googled it, and I pulled up the Wikipedia page, and apparently Moloch is the Canaanite god of child sacrifice. Well, usually associated with child sacrifice. It's not the god of child sacrifice, but he's the god that's usually associated with child sacrifice. Right, and if you know anything about Semitic languages, um, mm-hmm. you know what the trilateral root is, which is three, like related words will have these uh, three sounds, I guess, that are... Mm-hmm. The same, and you can see that words like Islam, Muslim, Salam, like which means mm-hmm. you know the, the, that S L M um, always has to do with peace. So you just look at you look at <laughs> you look at like Jerusalem that's in there, right? Like the city mm-hmm. of peace. Um, so M L K is the one that refers to kingly stuff. So like uh, the word or name Malik, right, means king, and mm-hmm. Moloch is related to that in some way, right. Although where I actually knew Moloch from was Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, the TV show, not the book. Uh, in the second season, you find out as part of this government program that Dirk was a part of, uh, they had all these people with mysterious abilities and they all had names like Dirk Gently was Project Icarus. Uh, but there was apparently, it wasn't apparently, in the show they reference someone you never meet named Project Moloch. So. Yeah, apparently it's also a character in Solo. Yeah. But yeah, Dirk Gently series sounds way different than the book it is way different than the book (laughs) (laughs) i've read the book and i don't really like it all that much from what i've heard the only thing similar between the two is is uh, the name of the character obviously and what he does and he's a detective and some of the humor and like how he goes about it just like everything being total coincidence but the series is apparently much funnier and better yeah, at the book wasn't funny at all, recent. and it was also just City of Death, but worse. Well, it was written by Douglas Adams. Yeah, yeah, so. it was. So. Anyway, yeah, there's your weird Dirk Gently connection for the week. Dirk Gently podcast when? Totally Next. capitalize on that. Oh, I'm sure there's... Actually, I wouldn't say I'm sure. I don't know. There might be one out there. I'm sure there is. Frankly, there's a podcast for nearly everything. Yeah. It's a newer series, so... That also got canceled, so... Anyway, Moloch. This Moloch. 
Yeah, I looked at I looked up what Moloch was referring to before the episode started. So I was trying really hard to find out if anything in the story was actually related to like Moloch, the god associated with child sacrifice. And you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I don't really see anything. Maybe we'll figure something out as we discuss this. I see similarities in how Moloch is actually depicted when we see him, and how Moloch, the god, is typically. Well, I just looked up his Wikipedia page, and he looked like a sort of ox type thing. Yeah, but some of the other depictions show him as a smaller figure, and I can see some potential stretches in similarity there, but that's about it. Mm. Anyway, the story begins with the Liberator crew zooming through space, and Villa's like, we've been following Servland for 27 (laughs) bloody weeks, uh, days, not weeks, days. Why are we doing this? This was my already my what would Blake do wow. moment uh, because wow. hell if Blake would be following Serverland for twenty seven damn days in a row. Yeah, he would definitely go cause trouble somewhere else. He would find some other nonsense to get himself wrapped <laughs> up in, and then he would get himself almost killed, Achieve and then he would and escape. Get, well, and, get everyone else almost killed as well. <laughs> And then I had a dream last night. This is related. Where <laughs> this, it was this story, but it, it, it was it was Blake and Tarrant. Oh, God. What a combination. Instead of Tarrant and Villa uh, in my dream, they apparently got along very well. And it was uh, actually kind of more exciting than this story was. So, Wow. <laughs> Here's the thing about this story. The, there's a lot of... I really enjoyed the last 15 minutes of it. And there's a lot of buildup to that. I didn't, like, necess- I didn't necessarily like a lot of the build-up. I like the sort of payoff, and I re- actually really loved the last 10 or 15 minutes. But everything leading up to that was... I thought the story was all just... All right. Good. Just good. Just, just better than okay, this, but not great. Well, this is actually a weird thing for Blake 7 to do, because, you know, there have been some episodes, most of them I love, and then there are a couple that I think are really bad, like Orac and Redemption is also pretty bad. And this was kind of one of those middle-of-the-road ones, maybe like City to the Edge of the World... And those are really the only two, I think. Mm-hmm. But, well, so they find this planet in this dark zone on the map. And I was like, wait a minute. We've had a dark zone on the map. There was one of the... Oh, yeah, there's a lot of dark zones on the map, right? There is this story very, is yeah. like best hits of Blake 7 in one story because we've got Serverland. We've got a computer system that's basically more advanced than any other computer we've ever encountered. Moloch. And we have the, the whole interaction or like the backstory between the guy who created it. He's... Yeah. yeah. We have got with Ensor and you know, Serverland. Uh, guy who created an pack as well. Uh, we have we have a military coup from the second in command of the Federation. Yep. Uh, we have uh, the Dark Zone on the map that's in the middle of nowhere that no prison one ever planet. goes to. We have Prison Planet. Like I said, it's Blake Seven's greatest hits. Yeah. Shenanigans with the teleporter uh, bracelets as well. So uh, turns out that doing Blake Seven's greatest hits isn't such a good idea. Well, I don't know. Would you, if, if someone was like, man, I really want to get into Blake Seven, what's an episode I can watch? Would you show them this and knowing no. that it's, I mean, it's not the best episode, but knowing that it's not the best, so they have more to look forward to and also knowing that there's a lot of stuff in this that relates to other episodes. And I might. I wouldn't. But I still wouldn't, probably because of how boring a lot of it is. Yeah, you'd have to show them something like even Harvest of Kairos would be... I'd just show them Shadow. Yeah, I would probably just show them Shadow, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Anyway, uh, actually, if someone if someone said like I want to get into Blake Seven, I'd just just start at the beginning or don't even watch it. Yeah, all that, the best place to start is the beginning. Start at the very beginning. So they see this planet, but then like Silverland's ship disappears, and like what the hell? And they go when they see the planet, they like go through this weird barrier thing and then right. they're like whoa there's a planet here and then they like go out of the barrier because they're like oh they can detect us going through the barrier so let's just leave and they won't even know but they also find out someone realizes and I think it's Avon that they already know that you know they know that they came in to the barrier and left they know they're because apparently Zen here. can detect if the Liberator was detected <laughs> yeah well we should also mention Servaland's ship because it doesn't look that great it really doesn't it looks okay it like, actually looks a lot like and ah, I'm forgetting what it is now. Piece of clay molded into like a thumb like shape. It's kind of what it looked like, and it was just it was really off putting. Like the Liberator, as always, looks great in this, and then you see Silverland's ship, and it it's just not great. Oh well, Silverland's last week it was an empire. This week it's a upstart federation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as it turns out, people have a lot of different opinions as to what this new thing that Silverland is forming even is. Yeah, and and they all have their own opinions as to how powerful it is as well. <laughs> as uh, what's their faces learned the hard way here. Although Ooh, I mean, it wasn't really even like Servaland who did them in. No, Servaland almost got done in herself. Honestly, when they start, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, so on this planet, there's this. Yeah, this woman, was, I guess, who who monitors this was, a, this was a little confusing as to what the different factions are on this planet. They're definitely like just prison yeah. prisoners who just get dumped there Cygnus Alpha style. And they're sort of <laughs> but they're sort of separated from everything else. Yeah, the and then there's like then there's actually like some sort of like native people to this planet that they seem to imply exist. I who think built the built the facility and Moloch and, and I the think computer. that's the two women who are operating yeah. the computers but Pula then, and I don't remember the other person the I other lady's know names, their names but. but then there's also this federation group I guess who supposedly got stranded there yeah so this federation group apparently missed a whole lot of the war or most of the war in fact because they got stranded there and Silverland's like yo so you missed the war you got a lot of ships right and it's like yeah we got ships oh we got ships we got ships, we got ships. <laughs> but your ships are our ships now as well we have a bigger fleet than you so which apparently, yeah, the the guy also mentions later on that the Liberator is Blake's ship. Yeah, so they're not up to date f- with yeah. with the current <laughs> the political situation on the Liberator. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Imagine ladies being like a tabloid newscast or like da, 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 magazine da, da, da. or whatever. <laughs> Liberator <Spinning> update. <laughs> Spinning newspaper. Da, 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 da. Avon now in command of the Liberator. And then next week, da, da, da. Tarrant now in command of the Liberator. And next week, Avon now again in command of the Liberator. <laughs> the lady like deletes the information that the Liberator was spotted because apparently they. I don't know if they mention this now, but they mention it like right at the end. All of a sudden, they just drop this thing, and she's like, "We had this prophecy that people were destined to come and save us, and these must be the people that are here now." I don't even remember that. It's right when, uh, what's his name, sees Villa on the monitor. He's like, that's my buddy. And oh. she's like, we were prophesized to have people come and save us, and these must be the people. Let's go get huh. them. Yeah, I don't remember that line, but not that consequential. 
But yeah, she someone sees her erase this footage and they're like, what did you erase? And she's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> we also didn't mention that when they first like are approaching this planet, and I think this is when Servalan is, there's like this zoom, there's a painted like sort of backdrop or just painting and they sort of zoom in on it and that's how they show like they're coming down on the planet. And I just wanted right. to mention it because honestly a lot of this, and this might be sort of the lead up to the end of the season, right, where they're sort of conserving their budget for what's hopefully going to be a pretty great finale, and I've heard it is. As you know, in Sarcophagus, we got sort of a lower mm-hmm. budget type thing, and th- this one, it wasn't as contained as Sarcophagus, Sarcophagus, but it definitely felt sort of on the lower end, end of things, especially when they get into the base, the computer room and all that, but it still looked fine. Well, so... <sighs> It definitely looks lower budget, and it definitely looks like they just filmed in a rock quarry for most of this. Well, most of it was, and even when you think about like the prison ship, yeah, even the, and it's just well, like a corridor. Yeah, it was just and, one corridor, and they only had like five people on it because I guess they didn't have the budget to pay extras. Right, and and Moloch's room is also, it's just like it's just a room. I mean, well, I think Moloch's room was the best set of the whole story, really. Yeah, it was all right, and. Well, actually, Moloch's room reminds me a lot of Silverland's ship's control room that we saw in Harvest of Kairos. It's a lot brighter. It looks like the same with, at least like floor plan-wise, with the raised section in the back, just kind of shot from the opposite angle. Might be. Different lighting. So. Have to wait a year to find out making Blake 7. (laughs) John! (laughs) So... Basically, they come up with this plan to get down to the planet because they can't teleport through the freaking barrier, apparently, because right. they'll get detected because it's on the same frequency, even though later on they decide they can just do like an Omega Burst and some techno battle Terry Nation nonsense. Don't they say that like they're going to get vaporized if they try and teleport down or something like that? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> but, but they can teleport onto this transport ship that's going in and they can... And this is a prison ship. Yeah. Is it a prison ship? I thought it was a, a Federation ship that like is bringing troops because the guy on the gross says to Servland like, oh, we've got troops coming on a ship that's on a D-114 well, transport. They're definitely prisoners, so maybe they're just like uh, using prisoners as troops to fill out the ranks or whatever because they're definitely from like a prison, right? The guy is talking to Villa about like when I was imprisoned and stuff and I haven't seen the sun in 14 years and I haven't seen a woman in 14 years. Yeah, well, so they, they're supposed to beam Villa and Tarrant into this apparently completely unoccupied space <laughs> on the ship that's only, like, divided off from everything from, like, a completely inconsequential partition. This is, like, wasted space, which is bizarre on a spaceship because when you're building a spaceship, you think you want to use every single inch of usable space here. It's a wasted spaceship. <sighs> anyway, they accidentally teleport Villa on the wrong side of the <laughs> wall. So he's trying to open the wall up for Tarrant, but... Then he gets cornered by... I want to look up this guy's name since he's actually like vaguely important to the story. <laughs> Doran. Drax. Blake Seven's version of Drax. The Armageddon Factor. I His mean, name not is really. Doran. Doran, right. And basically he sees Villain. He's like, hey, what's up, like, my hey, friend? What are you doing here? Villa turns around. He's like, I was just, I was just, and he's like, don't worry about it. Even if you're a stowaway, it's not like I never rat you out or anything. Yeah, we're all prisoners here, so he we're said, "Come have a drink criminals. with me," because they're having like a party. They're right. Like, we're gonna get to the planet now. <laughs> She's like, "Come on, Villa, let's go have a drink." And then Villa like passes something through a hole that he made to Tarrant, and Tarrant's like, "Thanks, Villa." And then Villa goes into the main room and. 
Then they land on the planet. Well, he becomes friends with Doran. Well, so then we get another scene which really plays into that Avon might actually consider Villa a friend right. thing because they're yep. on the ship and Avon's like, was it a good idea to send Villa over there? And Callie's like, well, I mean, he he like, he's the only one who could open the wall and Villa's, and then Avon's like, yeah, but we kind of need Villa and also he's with Tarrant, you know Tarrant, you know how Tarrant gets around Villa. And Callie makes some comment that's something like, you know, if, if Villa wanted to get teleported up, he could do so at any time and, and there's some retort from Avon as to why like he wouldn't do that or something like that but yeah this was my what would blake do moment because i don't think blake would care about, care villa. about villa as much as avon does well i mean he might care about villa's skill set <laughs> and maybe avon does as well we don't know to what extent avon cares we don't know about what avon villa. you know you can't you never guess what kerr avon is thinking right he's a, a, a mystery a wrapped in an, in an enigma he is but I think Blake was too, to an extent. Like I think Blake. I don't know. Would... I mean, who wears their heart more on their sleeve, Avon Blake. or Blake? Blake. I don't for know. Sure. Well, you think about these moments you get with Avon, right? Like Anna's death, and maybe this moment to an extent. And you, yeah, but, you but you Blake always wonder. But you always wonder with Avon, like, is this sincere or is he just pretending? Yeah. yeah but with Blake, you never wondered if it was sincere or not. You always, like, just assumed I, that it was. I th- no, but we did wonder whether a lot of it was sincere, right? Remember in trial when Blake, we were like, was Blake just manipulating all of them? Or, like, stuff like that. I mean, but I think the difference is I think Blake actually is sincere, but he's using that sincerity to manipulate them, whereas Avon kind of plays his cards close to his chest and doesn't want to reveal to everyone what he feels about them because I think maybe to Avon he feels that if he makes it seem like he's disconnected from them it'll be easier for him to let them go so maybe so like yeah just even saying that in some ways avon is but like maybe avon is a little more sincere than blake but you think i think of blake's sincerity is like a sincere desire to destroy the federation and not oh, yeah. like a sincere care of his buddies <laughs> i guess Whereas Avon, you know, there's moments that shine through with Avon where you're like, wow, he really actually does, like, care about them. Yeah, That's well, going to get called the question, I think, went. a lot in Series D. Well, considering I know the final scene of the show, you know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes overall as well. Blake Tarrant pairing when? I'm going to go home. Never. I'm going to write fan fiction <laughs> that just rewrites the story from the perspective of Blake and Tarrant. I'm not going to do that. I don't have the kind of motivation to do that. (laughs) This is the second time I've dreamed about Blake 7. If you'll remember way back in series, I think it was A. I had a dream about Blake 7 as well. Maybe that's because I watch these at like 10 at night and then immediately pass out. But anyway. I don't know if I've had any Blake 7 dreams. Probably, but I can't remember. Anyway, they get down to the planet. Villa gets... uh, Escorted along with the rest of the guys, and he's well. Then Tarrant, I guess, tases Doran. Well, Tarrant jumps out of the bushes, and he's like, "What are you doing, Villa?" And Doran, like, he start. They they sort of have a little mini scuffle fight, whatever you want to call it. Doran's like, "Don't mess with my friend Villa." And then I guess Tarrant tases him because he gets shocked and rolls down a hill. And Villa's like, "What are you doing?" And Tarrant takes him with him. He's like, "You're gonna help me. I'm gonna shoot you." And Villa's like, "Oh well, is it even really a choice then? Does it even really matter then?" Well. We get a little. We got a little of Doran's backstory before this. You know, he. 
I don't think we ever get his actual crime, although he's probably a murderer and a rapist. <laughs> of women. Of women, to quote Alien 3. Which would make sense because this was written by Ben Steen. <laughs> well, there's that line, you know, he, he's like, never been a sentimental man, Villa. Never been a sentimental man. But when they told me I'd never see the sun again, that's not how the line went. He was like... <laughs> I don't remember the line you're talking about, like, so I can't save you on this said, one. No, he said... When they when I was brought into like this prison or whatever, they told me I'd never see the sun again, and I hadn't. I, I haven't. I haven't seen the sun in 14 years. And Bill was like, "Well, now you're seeing it, and it's not Earth's sun, I guess, or the sun he's referring to, but he's seeing sunlight, so that's good." And he's like, "I've never seen a woman in 14 years." It's all about the woman to Doran. Yeah, I guess. Well, there's a scene at the end where he confronts what's her face, Pula. But even Servaline? that, like, yeah, Servaline as well. I actually capture Servalan, but uh, we're about to get there. Yeah, there, and like you mentioned, there's that sort of Tarrant holding Villa at gunpoint <laughs> moment. Tarrant is getting more. Well, you know, Sergeant Bash, brave. Yeah, you know, when we first watched Aftermath, I think it was Sergeant Reno who emailed us and said, "Watch Tarrant, out for those Tarrants." Right, watch out. He, he said that among him and his friends, Tarrant became like this term for a discount character no, that wasn't in an email that was in uh, the episode we did with him he said that that Tarrant among his friends became a word for uh, are you sure because he did um we he did a uh, pressure point with us which was way before Tarrant I think it was in an email but it did regardless he said that Tarrant became this word of like a, a character who replaces a much better character like uh, right, that was an email I'm starting to see that <laughs> huh. a second rate version of a much better character yeah yeah, well, I, uh, actually, on that topic, I read, uh, I read an article the other day that was like eight character, eight TV characters who were so unpopular they were written out like immediately. It was, it, was it was basically a list of Terrence because it was like <laughs> a character got written out and they brought in someone else to replace them, and they were so unpopular they wrote them out and <laughs> came up with a new plan. Like the one I remember from the article, besides Pulaski, which I already mentioned on the show for Next Generation, was apparently in Dukes of Hazard the two lead stars like left because of a contract dispute so they got two new people to play like the long lost brothers of the original <laughs> two <laughs> and they were apparently so bad they wrote him out like in less than a season and brought new <laughs> negotiated new contracts with the original actors so I'll see if I can find the article again so we can put it in the show notes actually yeah so there's also stuff going on with Servaline on this planet as you would expect since she came to the planet and that's right. why they're all there so she's talking with section leader Gross right and they're having this very extravagant dinner and Gross has a second-in-command. I don't remember what his name was, though. Um, but Gross sort of gives his backstory as to why he and the rest of the Federation troops are there, which we sort of explained before. You know, the Federation, they, they got stranded there or something during the war, and they've been sort of separated. And now right. Servalan is back, and I forget exactly why she's back. She wants their ships. Wants their ships. Yeah, I guess she's just rounding up all, you know, whatever she can, mm-hmm. right? But but Gross also has his own plans up his sleeves. So Yeah, Gross... <laughs> We may as well just explain this now, since it occurs roughly now, reveals that he's created an exact copy of Servaland's ship using the computer on the planet, which can apparently create... Uh, Matter. Which can create, create exact it copies. Can create things. Of, it creates of, an like, exact copy of whatever you feed into it. Whatever information you feed into it. Because right. that comes into play a little bit later, because Servaland's not impressed by the whole operation here, and Gross takes her into the... He's like, oh, I'll show you something that'll impress you, and he shows her this computer. Mm-hmm. Which, how it work, 
Yeah, called Moloch, which is how, how it works is that you put an item in a little chamber, and I guess it has to be a small item if you don't have the information for it. But what it does, you put something in, and it feeds out this card with the information, with all the information about whatever you put in. Mm-hmm. Which is why also like you use this card to recreate whatever that thing is. Which is yeah. also why if you have all the data on something, you can just create a card for it and put it. So you don't always have to put it in this little box thing. Yeah, but, but you my question was, how does it create like a copy of Silverland ship when it really seems like it can only output things into a box of approximately well, the same size as the input box? Well, I mean, I, we don't know if this is like if they use this because he says there's dozens or hundreds of them, so maybe they're ones that are bigger or whatever. So. That was my question too. Is like, all right, how do you get like yeah. the ship, or or just in general, how do you get things that are bigger than this tiny little box? But then they're like, all right, you know, you can put the information on a card, probably manually or whatever, and that's just how it works. So they give also the backstory at some point. I don't think it's now, but we can explain it now as to how this was created. It was created by a guy named Astrid, who they keep name dropping. Mm-hmm. Right. Eventually, we find out that Astrid is sort of a, a vegetable. <laughs> Oh, the Astrid prop was the worst. Well, when you, you here's the thing about that. Later on, you get Avon standing next to it, and you realize how freaking huge this just rubber thing is. But it really looks like they just uh, CSO'd that into that door because there is really? in this I shot. At first, I didn't think this, but in this shot, the reason why I think that and why I'm actually sure that's what happened is Avon reaches out to try and touch it and his hand vanishes Mm or or like you can see the CSO artifacts around his hand when he reaches out to touch it. Maybe. I didn't notice that. I didn't think even think that that was the case at all, but maybe, yeah. But like, yeah, that would actually be a good point because, you know, if it is just him standing next to this sort of dummy, I don't know if you noticed it, but um, I know Paul Darrow is, I think, fairly tall, six something or the other. And he's standing next to this thing, and it's huge. It's like is it dwarfing him? Mm-hmm. It has like at least a foot on him, I'd say. They got a basketball player to <laughs> play the dummy. But anyway, Gross reveals this coup that he's planning on staging against Servalan. He's like, "Yeah, we already have a lot more ships than you do, and uh, we're going to use those ships to take over the galaxy." Well, then Servalan's like, "But how are you going to pilot them?" Like, you can't copy pilots, can you? And they, like, copy a mouse, and the mouse just comes out dead. Because uh, he's like, well, see, he copied it perfectly, but it, it's not alive. Like, you can't copy the life. Right. But Gross reveals that they have they have a space captain who they're going to basically take all this piloting knowledge because, like Keon said, the machine copies information. And they're going to put – they're going to basically make a card with just piloting information, which they'll use to create a computer that can pilot the ships. Right. And throughout all of this, Servalan, of course, just keeps her cool. And Jacqueline Pierce is really awesome mm-hmm. in this episode, especially later when it's just Servalan and Villa. I really like that. But she gets escorted out. And, you know, right away – and this actually surprisingly didn't really come to pass. But right away I was like, oh, these guys are going to regret pissing Servalan off. Like it's just nope. – they're going to get what's coming to them. And in some ways they do, but, like, not for that. But only because Doran's gun, quote, goes off in his hand. And <laughs> well, I mean, really, it's, only, it's because the Liberator crew is there that they get their desserts. But Tarrant, well, We should mention also that Tarrant gets captured. He's like, guys, teleport me up. Teleport now. <laughs> teleport. Teleport. And they just blast it in the yep. face. <laughs> I think Avon inside is like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I outside was like. <laughs> well, yeah, because Callie's like, it's gonna take a few minutes for the, uh, the like uh, the Omicron beam or whatever to like be implemented, and Avon's like, yeah, take your time, take your time. 
And then Tarrant finally comes through because apparently Tarrant's first transmission got garbled by the by the barrier because they needed to move from like a medium wave frequency to a low wave frequency and Villa knew how to change the frequency but Tarrant didn't necessarily know. So when he finally figured it out, Avon was like, well, I guess Tarrant figured out how to change the signal finally. Right, so cutting back to Villa and Doran, I guess, they have their Federation uniforms on. I mean, they give they give Villa Federation uniforms. He's like, the, we're going to make you a space captain. He's like, yes! This is about, I'd say, almost 30 minutes into the episode, and this is where I really started liking the episode. And I knew right away, it was like, oh, Villa in a Federation trooper outfit. This is going to be awesome. Well, it's more a Federation pilot outfit. Pilot, section yeah, leader right. outfit. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because it has the logo and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Doran is like, hey, Villa, guess what? And Villa's like, what? And he's like, come with me. And they go over to a sort of enclosed area, and Servalan is there. Yeah, well, so Doran's like, I told you I'd get you a woman. Here's a woman. And I'm like, what woman could they possibly have found on this planet that seems to be occupied by entirely men except for Pula? And, and Servalan. And you just see you just see Villa's eyes go wide, and then yeah. it cuts to Servalan. You're like, oh. <laughs> that was a good moment, really. I liked all the interaction between Villa and Servalan. Yeah, they throw Villa in and Doran walks away and then Servalan's like, well, what are you going to do, Villa? He's like, hey, don't talk to me. And she's like, if you you. you free me, I can help you and you can find Tarrant. And then Villa's like, last time I saw Tarrant, I was looking down the barrel of his gun. So, (laughs) and Servalan's like, so why am I still tied up then? And we get this scene of them like escaping and there's a lot of banter that I thought was really good between Servalan and Villa Servalan here. and Villa spin-off win. <laughs> the best buddy cop drama ever produced. And, that, and they come across this guy. It's one of the prisoner criminal right. dudes. Is it or is it one of Gross's guys? I don't remember who it is. Prisoner criminal dudes are Gross's Guys, yeah, they're going so. to be. They're going to be. They come across this guy, and uh, I forget what. Well, Villa's holding the gun, and Sir Land's like, all right, Villa, I know you're not going to have the guts to go up and shoot this guy, so give me the gun. And Villa's like, no, no, I'll do it. And you just see this disgusted look on Sir Land's face, and she rolls her eyes, and that was awesome. And Villa, like, immediately gets owned. <laughs> Well, then Servalan takes his bracelet, and he's like, give me the bracelet back. And then she shoots the guy because he tries to attack Villa, and yeah, then he just disappears. Here's another funny thing about this scene is that Villa is getting, like, beaten up by this guy, and his gun is laying on the ground. It's next to a rock. And Servalan looks. You get this scene that shows you that Servalan is looking at the rock and the gun. And mm-hmm. she, just, she picks up the rock and just smashes the guy over the head with the rock. <laughs> that was almost my, what would Blake do? I was like, Blake would pick up the gun. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know if he would. Well, The Rock was funny. Cause I, yeah, I didn't it see funny. it coming. It cuts to them fighting, and you see Servalan <laughs> smash him over the head with a rock. Yeah, Servalan definitely does get her hands dirty a lot more in Series C, because she has to. Yeah, because she's got nobody. She doesn't have a Travis anymore, because Travis Cause they, went Because her Travis replacements keep dying and <laughs> killing each other. Or trying to stage their own coups. Yeah. Throwback to Ginka and Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> I always forget that his name was Daryl. <laughs> Well, Blake 7 always does that. You know, it has the more outrageously named characters, and then it has... Blake. Well, Blake is Raj Blake, so... But then it also has Jenna and Daryl. (laughs) Oleg? I, I forget why... I mean, I forget who this was. I was looking up... Someone, some semi-famous Swedish, semi-famous Swedish person whose name was Oleg. So it's 
I think a northern name, Scandinavian oh, yeah. name, something like that. Maybe not familiar to like Americans or just English speakers in general. Great. Olag. Olag again. Villa meets up with Tanner again, and Tanner's like, look, we gotta go figure out how to get off this planet because my bracelet's gone too. They're like, great, let's go to the computer room. Avon and, and Dana, Dana t- teleport down. So they're like, we don't know where they are. Let's go find out, figure out what's going on. And there's there's actually a really funny scene between Avon and Dana when they first teleport down because they get into um, Moloch's room. Mm-hmm. And Avon, there's an apple sitting there. I guess it was, you know, a clone or whatever you call whatever, whatever you call what Moloch spits out. <laughs> and uh, Avon is about to bite into it and Dana like grabs it out of his hand. And she's like, you don't know where that came from. Could be dangerous. And Avon just like stares her. He gives her this like menacing stare. He just grabs it out of her hands again and takes a satisfying bite into it what if I did like halfway halfway through series D he just keels over (laughs) and starts dying that apple finally got to me (laughs) six months later well so he sees Astrid and he's like this doesn't make sense because he says the center of the room or the center of the facility what's controlling it should be like six meters to the west and he points over to the computer and he's like right right about there where the computer is six meters to the west that's what he says it's a strange way of phrasing it i guess i guess you can see why though if you're looking at these coordinates from far away so like six, seven so meters. on the liberator yeah, basically yeah and he kind of goes well that's kind of weird then why is astrid being kept alive because he looks at the cards and he sees that they like copied like a life form with a life support system he figures that this is Astrid, but then he's like, that's kind of weird. He also says this thing, like, they made this computer simulation of, like, how they expect it to evolve to in, like, billions of years. Yeah, that's and- the thing. This was brought up at the beginning of the episode, and it's it's touched on more here. That the I forget what these people's names are. They're the Son... The son, not the Sontarans. Not the Sontarans. Sonarians. Sard- well, the, the planet is named Sardos. I think they're the Sardosians or something like that. Sardonians, Sardonians. maybe. Whatever they are. They created this Sardoans. Sardoans. It's strange. They created this computer simulation. Yeah, they like simulated their evolution like a thousand or a hundred million years in the future. Yeah, they used and they used like two million years or something. They they create it. They well, the computer also. Here's the interesting thing, right? Is that the computer doesn't know for sure how the path that evolution is going to take. So this is like a prediction of what's going to happen in like two million years or whatever. So they have all this on information, which they could they wanted to use Moloch to they wanted to feed that information into Moloch to create like their society two million years from now or what the yeah. computer predicted their society would be. Mm-hmm. So they basically wanted to just skip all the evolutionary <laughs> processes and like this entire interim stage and be like, well, let's just see where we're at two million years from now. And there's you know, maybe I'll just touch on it now. Well, it might get a little tangential. You know, you, we talk about, like, we always talk about Frankenstein, or I always do, is, like, this initial, like, setup, or not setup, like, one of the first science fiction things in the English tradition, or, like, one that really inspired all, a lot of science fiction and horror of the, well, since it was written and stuff, and I'm mainly talking about it because I'm reading it again. <laughs> again? Uh, well, it's the 200th, and if you didn't know, this year is the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein. It was first published in, I think, January 1818, and now it's 2018, so. It's also like the 150th anniversary of Little Woman, I think, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Frankenstein and Little Woman. 
But yeah, I'm reading it again. It's a good book. But um, there's all this. I'm noticing actually now all this stuff in in the the book. You know, at the very beginning, Victor Frankenstein is telling his story to uh, Walton. I think his name is, and um, he's he's he uh, condemns almost like what the Sardoans are actually trying to do. You know, he Victor Frankenstein points to his obsession with creating the creature and uh, how he couldn't just, like, turn back from what he knew because, you know, the setup of the book is, like, he... And they never explain what this is for the best. It's for the best. That he figures out how to, like, create life and he Mm -hmm. becomes so obsessed with, like, that idea that he creates the creature, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, if I didn't have that obsession... If people didn't have that obsession, history would have played out differently. And one of the things he says, he says is the Americas, and this is the word, this is, these are his words and the words Mary Shelley wrote for him, uh, the Americas would have been discovered more gradually. And he paints that as like a good thing, right? Things happen too fast. And mm-hmm. that, and that actually, that has been like this foundational thing, I think, for a lot of science fiction for 200 years, basically, is like the danger of things happening too fast. And that's something also that real world science is related to because you you know you think of people often think i think think of science as like breakthroughs and like new things when really like there's there i think and you i mean you're in the sciences i guess Mm -hmm. so you probably know more about this but there's there's more building up than people think there's more looking back than people think and there's more using there's more building on what people have done in the past than is really publicized it's not all just like well, we found a new thing. It's like, well, that new thing was theorized. Like when they found the Higgs boson, it was like, oh, found Higgs boson. The thing about the Higgs boson is like, well, it was theorized 50 years ago and it was theorized because someone looked at Einstein's equations with, oh, we need something that does this. And then, you know, Einstein's equations, they only exist because Einstein looked at like galaxy motions. Like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like we need to do this and so on and back. Right. Back like the Higgs boson isn't just, oh, we found the Higgs boson. It's like this long chain of events leading all the way back, you know, 100, 200 years. But in regards to things moving quicker, I mean, it's like the concept of the singularity. I don't know if you know what the singularity is, but the singularity yeah, yeah. Is, is this concept that at some point all technology will become so advanced that it will replace humans, basically. Because, you know, there used to be this, this it was called a law, but it wasn't really a law because it, like it was an unwritten thing that like the processor speed of a computer doubles approximately every five years. Uh, like we invent a new process about twice as okay. quick as the old one. Like a trend. Approximately every five years. Of course, that's an exponential trend, so they get quicker and quicker. So the idea is that as we build these more advanced things, we're going to approach the singularity quicker and quicker. And, you know, that doubling is actually increased in speed now. It's down to like, I think, four, maybe even three years. <laughs> but like everything seems to be happening quicker. And that's, you know, a lot of people are actually afraid that we're approaching the singularity like soon that we're going to approach this moment where technology is so advanced that like we don't need humans anymore, which is weird to think about, but the singularity is very complex and comes with it. Like a lot of other things like artificial intelligence and uh, hyper technology, things like that. So, but it has been a fear of people since science fiction was invented even before like, not only speeding up of things, but also just change in general, progress in general. Yeah, there's a couple. I'll, I'll link a couple of good short stories about this in the show notes. Um, I'm thinking of a couple in particular. I don't remember what they're called or like who they're even written by. Um, but I'll just link some of the you know stuff I've read and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there. I I know you. I think haven't watched it, Dylan. But anyone who's watched the Prisoner series, the 1960s one, 
um, which I'm bringing up because it's like one of the only older British shows I've really even watched. Uh, I've, I mean, I've watched, uh, I think, a fair amount now. Not a fair amount, just a few now, but a few more than I'd watched a couple years ago. But anyway, the main like image of that series is, I don't, and I don't know if you've seen it, it's on the title card as well, is it's like this line of statues coming from the distance like towards the screen, and the like closest one is just a bike. <laughs> There's like a statue, and they all look either the same or very similar. It's like this huge line of like just these monuments that you know look the same. And then the, the most recent one is just something that looks completely different. Well, I, I know that's, the a bike. that's a fear in that show, mm-hmm. and I think in a lot of science fiction is like look at all of human history and then look at like the last two hundred years and look how different that is. Well, I know the bike iconography because literally everything prisoner based uses the bike. <laughs> every title card, every podcast about the prisoner uses the yeah. bike. Yep. If we did a podcast on the prisoner, we'd probably use the bike too. Frankly. Yeah, but there are other untapped podcast. My mind's out there. <laughs> want to go know. for something untapped? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Star Cops. <laughs> or Sapphire and Steel. Great. <laughs> All 10 modern day fans of Sapphire and Steel. There are a lot out there. Really? I How think many? so. How many? I don't know. Less than Blake 7, I can guarantee yeah, that. Yeah, it is less than Blake 7. But anyway. We back- want to be building upwards, not down. <laughs> Tapping bigger minds, not smaller. Yeah, but maybe the the few Sapphire and Steel fans are so diehard that they're okay. Whatever. That wouldn't anyway. make a difference to how many people download no, our I podcast. Mean, no, but we're not doing this for the for the downloads or for for anything like that, really. Why are we doing it? <laughs> anyway, so back anyway, to the episode. There, the the Sardoans are trying to just skip all their history and go straight yeah. to the future. That's what we were talking about. Pula and Doran find Villa and Tarrant, and they go to the computer room. They corner Gross. They corner because right, Gross has started to torture lackeys. Avon and stuff. It breaks Avon's wrist, I think, or severely damages it. Yeah. Avon's like, you can just get all the information you want from the freaking Tarrant brain print you have. And they're like, yeah, well, we don't want it. And he's like, but the computer can do it in like microseconds. And he's like, but it has to sift through all the information. And Avon's like, you should be asking the computer why it won't tell you because it can do it in like microseconds. Yeah. So there, I mean, this is what we were talking about before too. Like there is this fear that the computer, the computer isn't doing what what they want it to. It has a mind of its own. Like Orac. Yeah. That's, that was what I was thinking during the story. I was like, man, for a universe where ORAC was supposedly the most advanced computer we've ever seen, there are a lot of really advanced computers. Uh, like there's the, the computer that was constructed out of the brain in Ultra World last week. There's Moloch, this story. Yeah, these are all outside the, what the Federation, like I think, knew about. True. But oh, and now also for, for a TV about. show that introduced us to ORAC and then it's like, wait, but what about all these other advanced computers? It's like when Knight Rider introduced that other car that's exactly like Kit because they were like he needs a nemesis and it's like but right. Yeah, but like that you can you can see why from like the story making perspective yeah. of it and it's like all right, we're need a rival. This isn't even the last advanced computer we're gonna get that's gonna join the freaking Liberator crew. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway, Villa and Doran bust in, and Terrence as well, and they're like, all right, everyone freeze. And then Doran kills, Dor- oh God, why Doran do I- Doran quote why? accidentally, unquote, kills these two lackeys. Right. It's like, the gun just went off in my hand. And then Terrence uses that distraction. Gross, I think, is about to shoot someone, and Terrence shoots him. Yeah. 
But then Moloch reveals himself to be a one-eyed deep Roy. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I want to before we get into this, I want to go back and I wrote this quote down uh, because it was actually a pretty cool line from Tarrant, and I forget who's saying it in response to it "Must be Villa." He's like, "We're going to go destroy Moloch because it." And someone, whoever it is, says, "Why?" And he's like, "Cause it knows too much about me." Oh yeah. And I like that line. Well, because it has basically a copy of, much like Ultra World, a copy of Tarrant's brain print. Yep. But then Moloch reveals itself yeah, there's, to be There's dude. actually a like, really big fear here of like technology knowing things about you and like how that's... It's like, a, it's, like it's, it's already foreshadowing this conversation that become big in the early 2000s and is big now about privacy and privacy online and, oh, yeah. and privacy in regards to technology. I mean, there's, there's... You can look up, you know, videos about this stuff online. Like, if you have any account like on any of the most popular mm-hmm. if you have a social media account there are people out there who can find like you at any time of the day yeah i mean like yeah it's like and the, like you the, know you mean you're like you can set up your phone to be to remind like if you're not in the location where you're normally at at a certain time you can set up your phone to be like are, are you lost? like why aren't you at blank area at 6 p.m are you lost do you need help well, like Somebody my phone that? like I don't have that on my phone. My phone started doing this when I paired it with my car because it realized oh God. it started figuring out like where I would typically drive to. So, you know, for a week straight in the evenings, I would drive to this location. I'm not going to say where it is because it's going to give away where we live. Uh, it's but, pretty easy to figure out who we are and where we are, honestly. Yeah, but still. No, I mean, I know. And then, if you know, eventually, like, my phone would start to pick up. I'd get in my car and my phone would buzz. I'm like, oh, it's going to take you... 24 minutes to get there like take xyz road because traffic is light it's going that way and i'm like oh god make sure you smile to the people looking at you through your camera just kidding <laughs> i mean like the, the biggest example of this is like 4chan and shia labeouf had that thing where shia labeouf would put up this flag that says like he will not divide us or whatever and like these people on 4chan would like try to find it and take it down and then shia went so far he put it in in a room in a house and he, he was live streaming this flag in a room in his house no identifying information. It's just a room in his house, completely empty except for the flag. And these people, like, they mapped out, like, the moon and the sun cycle. Yeah. They figured out where it was. They they tracked the sounds of jets flying overhead to yeah. figure out, like, time. They First, they found the time zone by mapping the, the day-night cycle and then using the jets flying overhead. They basically pinpointed exactly what house the flag was in. Yeah, I mean, there's that famous – you bring up 4chan, there's that famous story um, – giving this anecdote because it's one of the like it's it's like a very positive one I think of like there's this th- I think it was 4chan thread like I don't know, maybe 10 or more years ago of like this guy torturing a cat and he posted like two or three pictures of him torturing a cat and like just from those pictures people like found out where he was and who he was and like had him arrested and stuff well that's the thing when you, every time you take a picture by the way on your phone if you didn't know this it actually encodes the location where you took the picture into the image it's called metadata yeah so yeah. if you ever upload that picture to the internet the metadata of the image tells someone exactly where you took it some sites strip the metadata when you upload the image Imgur strips metadata from images when you upload them I think that's a pretty commonly known thing. I think people know. I think like, it's a pretty common practice now that most sites also strip the metadata when you upload the image for those privacy purposes. Mm. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, there are upsides and downsides to, I guess, giving technology, away your privacy well, like this. And just technology advancing in general. Uh, and I'm the, not totally- I played a video game based around this recently called Orwell, where you basically play as this guy who 
can read people's social media accounts and you upload this information to this computer system called Orwell and you're basically trying to find these terrorists but the whole point of the game is like once you uh, you can like access you can start accessing like their private communications and like you can listen to their phone calls and you can upload all this information and then I'm not going to tell you how it ends but at the end of the game you're given this choice of like what to do with all this information like the whole point of the game is to like make you question whether or not having all this information actually helped or not Huh. Yeah, that sounds semi-interesting, like in concept, but maybe boring it's a pretty short. Practice. It's a pretty short game. You can get through it in two, maybe three hours. It took me three hours, I think. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm not going to play it. So. I think it's $10, I think. <clears throat> the subtitle of the game is Ignorance is Strength. <laughs> well, my favorite saying is Ignorance is Bliss, but hey. Anyway. Yeah, so Deep Roy is back in Blake Seven. You know, back in um, uh, Gam- Gambit. Yeah, Gambit. I was. I said, man, I really hope Deep Roy is on Blake Seven again, but I don't think he will be. This is actually his third is. time. Oh, right, because he was a Decima as well. He was a Decima. Yeah, but so he he's back. He plays Moloch or the guy inside Moloch. Yeah. The man behind the curtain, so to speak. Yeah. The Wizard of Oz thing. And he's just like, ha, 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 I'm going to teleport to the Liberator and take it over. And he teleports up and Avon's just like, ha, that idiot. <laughs> he's like, what? And then they beam up and he's like, yep, couldn't survive without his life support system that didn't teleport with him because there's just this dead Moloch on the ground and right. they're all just kind of standing around <laughs> it, looking at it. And they're like, wow. So the life support system that they mentioned earlier wasn't necessarily, was for um, Astrid, but I guess also for Moloch. Right. Because he couldn't leave this sort of computer. So they then the like Serverland shows up. But this up. is what's interesting here, though, about Moloch is Avon's like this is the this is what Moloch the computer predicted the Sardoans would be in two million years or whatever. Apparently, they only have one eye. Yeah, and I don't know. There's something. There's also something scary about that too. I think right, like there's just going to be these little mini things that don't even really look human and well, can't it looks look, a little bit like Yoda. I guess and and uh, can't leave the their life support systems but i guess like you know the liberator the teleporter bracelet couldn't teleport teleport the life support system system. so like i was thinking man like what if the teleport bracelets couldn't teleport like your clothes when you wore them or something like that yeah what if they beamed down the first time and they were just completely naked (laughs) they're like we need to start considering the pros and cons of this teleporter (laughs) system Well, so then Serverland shows up and they're like, should we fight? And Avon's like, no, we're going to run away. And then yeah, because Serverland contacts them and like taunts them or something like that. Avon turns off the message halfway through and it's just like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> we're out of here. And yeah, I like... Pula, uh, Pula and Doran die. We forgot yeah, about this. Yeah, they do. In like the most unceremonious way possible. They walk out of the room and there's just a bright light and they just go, ah, yeah, I guess and they fall by, over and die. killed by Moloch, I guess. It doesn't want them to leave the room. So... That was kind of I was kind of like wow that's a bit extreme. Yeah, it is. And this that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I like the f- there's a lot of like interesting stuff I think going on in the last ten or fifteen minutes of this. We get like stuff that really makes you think, right? Like they have this information about themselves or what they predict themselves to be two million years from now, and they're going to like use that to bypass all the time that it would take. Right. And that's all really interesting. And, you know, they created this computer that can just create stuff. And we didn't mention it just, it takes material. Like I think Gross said it mostly uses rock rocks and it takes other material from the planet and spits it back out as something else. 
And I think all that's really interesting, but not really explored until like the last part of the story. Mm-hmm. And the build up to it, like Doran wasn't doing anything for me. The other gross wasn't doing anything for me. They were good enough, I guess, but that's just it. Good enough. Yeah. They serve their purpose. I mean, the story asks a lot of questions about computers and what do we tell computers and, and what can we use them for. As, and Blake 7 has done that before. It's nothing new for the show. Right. But other than that, I don't know. I just thought it was it was aight. Yeah. Like I said, good, not great. Better than okay. I mean, I enjoyed elements of it, not the story as a whole. Anyway. Same here. That's I think that that's really all I had for it. We have uh, another half email from RG. If you'll remember, we she was she emailed us about both Ultra World and Moloch in the same email last week. We responded to the Ultra World part. This week, we're going to respond to the part about Moloch. Okay, Moloch. I found the scene where the bloke had been punished by being suspended in liquid quite disturbing. Just the idea of not having any sensory information but still being alive. At the time, the visual was quite horrific. I'm not sure if it still comes across that way. Yes. Mm, well. It kind of looks yeah. really janky. Yeah, though. I would say so. Villa once again is separated from the rest of the Liberator crew and ends up providing an interesting part of the story. Didn't you just love watching Servland being thrown to the men as their toy? Of course she was having none of it. And all of the suspense and horror gets completely undermined when we see Moloch, who is the most underwhelming baddie I think they've ever had on the show. He looks ridiculous and he sounds even worse. Like I can barely understand what he was saying. Deep Roy, the actor who played him, also played the Clute and Gambit, speed chess champion. He's one of the only two actors to appear in Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Star Wars. The other one is Simon Pegg. He also played all the Oompa Loompas in the 2005 version of Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Callie teleports Moloch and he's just lying on the teleport floor <laughs> like a dried up cockroach. Oh dear. Avon makes two million teleport bracelets of the crew on Blake Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Them. That was really cool. Avon's like, how many of these do you think we'll need? Seen <laughs> for the investors. Like. Two million should be enough. <laughs> These two episodes were what made me want to keep watching the series. I found them so creepy and I had to find out what else the show would get up to. And that's the email. Yeah. Yep, I agree I with would definitely, all that. Like we, th- we just got finished saying how weak this episode was in a way, but like I can definitely see if you watched, um, what was last week? Ultra uh, World. Ultra World and this. Like I can definitely see like, all right, you know, I have to find out what this show is all about. And stuff right. like that. Yeah, I agree. I can see it. I can understand that. I don't know if I would show people these two episodes to start them on the show, but I can see how that would kind of get you into the show. We do also have one very short one-line email from Maurice uh, to respond to the subject line is Millennium Tower. By the way, I seem to recall you, Keon, once made a joke about the Millennium Tower. Am I remembering right? And does this mean one or both of you are in the San Francisco area? I'm going to cut out the next sentence because it's probably not something we want to reveal on air. Uh, Signed, Maurice. No. No, we're the, not. The joke about the Millennium Tower is actually a reference to something that we brought up on Trust Your Doctor. There seems to be a lot of things named Millennium something. That are made of like aluminum. Yeah, that are made of like or, aluminum. Or, or, or are very or, like or, shiny or, yeah. and silvery. And there's actually, I looked this up, there's like this movement or like this thing like around around 2000. There's like this official color of like the year two, it was like millennium silver or something like that i don't know I don't really which know is about it. we theorized why a lot of these buildings named millennium or silver or, or reflective but we're not in the san francisco area no email from sergeant trainer this week unfortunately so if you would like to email us you can email us at drdecadivefashionable.com questions comments concerns angry rants love letters your thoughts on moloch the 
fourth, potentially fifth hypercomputer, hyper advanced computer we've seen on this show. If you would like to find us on YouTube, you can find us at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith, a Blake's 7 podcast. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show. Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Death Watch. But until then, the end.